somebody had told me about this a, a while back, and uh, I had actually forgotten about it, and so that I got it to this week, and I want to just read this. It really applies to Romans 14, and, and Romans 15, the first seven verses, really uh, go back and they... Um, they give a summary of what took place in Romans chapter 15, of what he taught us really in Romans chapter 14, I mean. And so Romans 14 deals a lot with um, accepting other people that don't have the same ideas that we do. He talked about eating herbs and he talked about uh, just different customs and holidays and things like that that other people may celebrate that we may not. And uh, some, so this was given to me and it has to do with wearing masks and they kind of, I don't agree with rewriting the Bible and that's not what they're intending to do, but it kind of gives us the whole idea about the, uh, the wearing of masks. And that was really a big deal uh, in COVID. And so here's what they, they put. It says, let, let not him that weareth a mask despise him that weareth not a mask. And let not him that weareth not a mask judge him that weareth a mask, for God hath received him. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. And uh, there's certainly a lot of truth to that. And so uh, that kind of goes right hand in hand with Romans chapter 14 that we talked about. And, um, and you might have different opinions about things. And you know what? Everyone has different opinions. And I've always heard that opinions are like noses. Everyone has one, and nobody wants somebody else's, okay? Uh, so uh, we should always accept people, um, and, and we understand, again, that it's not accepting of sin, uh, but uh, accepting brethren. So Romans chapter number 15, and Paul makes an appeal to the mature believer. We're going to see this. Romans chapter number 15 and verse number 1, the Bible says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of of God. And let's stop and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Again, God, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house, gathered around your word. God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart as only you can. And Father, I pray that as we look to your word, God, we'd be, uh, we'd be instructed, we'd be edified, we'd be uh, re- reproved where we need reproof. And God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts, that you'd speak to each and every person, and God, I'll be careful to thank you and give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this passage, Paul makes an appeal to the mature believer, and so I put the title just simply, A Message to the Mature. He says there in verse number one, we then that are strong. And so Paul is uh, going to make an appeal to those Christians 
who are mature. And he has just discussed in, in chapter 14 and even into chapter 12 and 13, uh, he was dealing with uh, how a Christian ought to deal with the other Christians and other believers, how a Christian ought to deal with the world, how a Christian ought to deal with the, the government, how a Christian ought to treat and accept other Christians as they come in in chapter 14. And so he's going to give us a summary of the things that he has talked about. And it's so important that, uh, listen, even mature, spiritually strong Christians need instruction from the Word of God. Uh, I, it, it, we, we tend to forget stuff in our life and we tend to need reminded of things in our life. And so Paul is making an appeal uh, to the strong Christians. And, uh, and so as we look at this, he says there in verse number one, he says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. And so I put down for number one uh, that we should bear uh, the weaker brother. We should bear the weaker brother. That's kind of what he's the context of what he's talking about. And he goes into Romans chapter 14 in the past. Then he continues it there. And, and think about a strong Christian. What is a strong Christian? Uh, I think it's somebody that has learned the Bible. I've said many times I had the privilege of growing up in church my whole life. I thank God for that. Uh, I, I think that is a huge blessing. Some of you have grown up in church your whole life. What a blessing that you've had. And that makes, uh, that helps because I tell you what, uh, when I've learned, when I've learned, um, the whole, you know, the Bibles and the book of Bibles, and I'm not saying that I'm Mr. Know-it-all, I'm just saying I have had a lot of exposure to preaching and to the Word of God. And that is a blessing. Some of you have had a lot of exposure to the preaching and the Word of God. Other people haven't had that exposure. I've given testimony several times in Peru when we started our church there. Uh, it, it kind of blew me away uh, that somebody would not know where the Gospel of John is. Because in my life, I couldn't imagine not knowing where the Gospel of John is. I couldn't imagine not knowing where the New Testament was. But there's people out there, even today in 2022, uh, probably more so, who, who don't know anything about the Word of God. And so we have a great privilege to be able to know that, and we've learned the Bible stories. I could stand up here and give you a name, Samson, Jonah, uh, go through Old Testament saints, and you're like, yeah, I know him, I know him. And, and we could even name some, uh, some of my favorite, more obscure Bible characters, Gehazi. He's kind of a, a fun one. And, uh, and that was Elijah's servant. And, and you say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know who he is. And we could go through them, but we've learned some of these things, and it's a blessing to us to be able to know that. And you ought to praise the Lord if you know those things. That's a, that's a great help to you. But not just learning the Bible, but growing in faith. And, and, and praise the Lord, you know, as we live our Christian life, you ought to be growing in faith. That is, as God leads you, uh, maybe when you first got saved, I remember being young, and, and my parents taught me when I was young to start tithing. And maybe when you started tithing, maybe you were older, and you thought, man, um, maybe you get a, a paycheck, maybe it's $500, and you say, man, $50 I got to give the church. Listen, I learned when I got a dollar, 10 cents went the Lord. You know what? It's pretty easy. Take a dime, put in the offering as a kid. 
That's no problem. I didn't have any bills. I didn't have, okay, well, then that's, that goes to the Lord, and I get the rest of it. That's fine. I understood that. But if you learned that when you were older, uh, that might be a little bit harder concept. It's the same, uh, same idea, but, man, you're looking at it a little different. You've got responsibilities. You've lived all your life with all your money, and it's, it's a little bit different. And so we ought to praise the Lord that uh, some of us have grown in faith and you ought to grow in faith and uh, maybe witnessing to somebody and, and boy, you get nervous and you say, man, I, I don't know about that. And, and, uh, and, and, and then you do it for the first time and you, you give a track or you witness to somebody and, and, uh, and, and that helps your faith or different life scenarios, problems that you've gone through. Uh, difficulties that you've uh, waded through and you say, man, praise the Lord that we've been through that and God has strengthened us and He's made us better. And so we grow in our faith. And we're talking about being strong Christians. Learned faithfulness. Uh, I was, I praise the Lord. I was taught when I was young, hey, be faithful uh, to the Lord. Be faithful in reading the Word of God. Be faithful in attending church. Be faithful in serving the Lord. And that's kind of the idea that Paul is saying, hey, you're, you're strong. You are mature Christians that you have established this stuff. There's many things you know. There's many experiences that you've learned that you can trust in the Lord. There's faithfulness that you have developed in your life over the years. And so these are the people that the Apostle Paul is addressing. Go with me, save your spot here in Romans 15, and go with me to Titus chapter number 2. And, and we see this established even in Titus. In Titus chapter number 2, I touched on that this week. I don't remember what service it was, but maybe it was last week. They all run together after a while. In Titus chapter number 2, verse 1 he kind of establishes this pattern. He says here in verse in Titus chapter 1, or chapter 2, excuse me, verse number 1, Titus 2, 1. He says, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. So he's establishing that we ought to be teaching uh, things that are right. And then he goes on in verse number 2, and he says, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience, that the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And he's setting forth the idea that, hey, those who are established in the faith, let them edify, let them teach other people. And so that's kind of the idea that he's giving there. And that's the same idea that he's giving us in Romans 15.1. He says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. And so we see that they're strong Christians. I want to talk just for a moment about weak Christians. What is a weak Christian? And, and go back to Romans chapter number 14 and verse number 1. It's the same idea. He goes in Romans chapter 14, verse number 1, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Uh, weak Christian. Well, I've defined a strong Christian, somebody who's learned the Bible, somebody who's grown in their faith, somebody who has established faithfulness and walk in their walk with the Lord and faithfulness in, in the things that pertain to the Lord. So a weak Christian may be somebody who is still learning the Bible. 
In other words, you might mention Jonah, and they say, Jehu? I don't know that guy. And they might not have any clue who Jonah is. And, and you say, you know, I grew up in church, and you say, man, I, I've never met somebody that, that didn't know who Jonah was. I didn't either until I was in Peru. Well, I mean, I don't know that I did. Maybe it didn't hit me. I didn't realize it. Uh, but, but when I started teaching, and, and I'd say Jonah, and all the crowd's face was puzzled. I'd have to stop, and I'd have to tell them the entire book. Of, what a great Bible story to tell. I mean, man, I, just, I, I had fun telling those, uh, teaching those things because people don't know that. And there's people who don't know the Bible stories of the Old Testament. We take for granted so much that we know because we've learned it, we've read it, we've heard it, we've heard it preached and taught, but so many people have not had that opportunity. And so we understand, we need to understand, there's people that don't know that. I was, uh, I was visiting this week and I was talking with somebody and, and, uh, and, and she had gotten a new Bible. She would just gotten saved and she got a new Bible and I, I was telling her, I said, look, I said, if, if you take your Bible and you open it up to the front of your Bible, there's an index. And when, the, when, when a pastor or somebody says, turn to the book of Psalms, and you're like, man, I don't know where the book of Psalms is. Uh, you can go to the front of your Bible and you can find that index and you can find the book of Psalms and you can say, oh, it goes to page number uh, 1,000 and you turn over to one page 1,000 you can find the book of Psalms relatively easy. When I was talking to that person, I said, I said listen, I said, um, it'd be great if you would start reading your Bible. And, and she said, well, I, I'd like to and I've thought about that, but I, I don't know where. And I said, you know what, here, go to the Gospel of John. And I helped her, I showed her the Gospel of John. I said, here it is. I said, this is a wonderful place to start. I said, the Bible, uh, I said, you, you, you could start in Genesis, it would be okay. But uh, the Gospel of John is a wonderful place for a new Christian to start reading their Bible. And, and what I'm saying is, there's people that don't know this. That we need, you might know it. You say, well, man, I've read the Gospel of John a hundred times. Good, praise the Lord, that's wonderful. But there's people that don't know that. There's people who don't understand uh, how to find things. Uh, I remember, and I, I think I've told this story before, but um, we had a lady in Peru, or Italy, and, uh, and she did not have very much education whatsoever. And, uh, and she was, she was a, a phenomenal blessing to us. She, uh, at least to me, she, she, my wife introduced to her scripture writing. And, and she got in her mind, I mean, she started copying those verses, and man, they stuck. She, she would read, and her comprehension was low. But she started copying those verses out and writing them by hand, and man, they started to stick. She got so excited about it. Uh, she said, she came to me, she's like, Pastor, guess what I'm doing? I said, I, I don't know. She said, I started in the book of Genesis, and I'm copying the entire, the entire book. I was, I was like, well, good, that's wonderful, praise the Lord. I tried everything in my power to persuade her to go to the Gospel of John and copy the Gospel. She's like, Pastor, I'm gone to the beginning, and I'm starting in the book of Genesis, and I'm copying it. And, uh, and I thought, man, she's never going to make it through the book of, 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 of Genesis. And, and uh, especially, I think it's around chapter 10, you get all the names, you know, and, and you get all the genealogies. And, and so she finished up the, 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 the book of Genesis. I said, I said, Maria, I said, it would be wonderful if you would start, uh, go to the Gospel of John and do that she's like pastor I'm going to Exodus I said oh my I said man she's never going to make it through the book of Exodus 
And she copied that out, and every week she would come to me. Guess what I learned? Guess what I read about? I found out about sacrifices in the Old Testament. I found out that they were supposed to do this. And she was excited, and she was learning, and she was growing. And I'm just saying that we have to work with people uh, who don't know these things. And we need to have patience when we mention something, and somebody doesn't know who, who Jonah is, or who Peter is, or who one of the other disciples are. That, that these are people that need to learn, and they need to understand the Bible. These are people who are still growing in their faith. They're people who, uh, listen, for a, for a small problem, they, they might quit church. You might go visit them, hey, what's going on? And, and they might say, well, you know, I, I lost my job and, and I just God must be mad at me. And, and it's a real problem in their life and, and you have to walk through them and he's saying, hey, these are, are Christians who aren't established in their faith and they're, sometimes uh, something can be very catastrophic in their life. Their faith is not as strong. It's not as established in God as our faith is. And so we need to encourage them and accept them because he's dealing with uh, the, the Christian people, the, those who are mature in their faith. And he says in the second part of that verse and they're also still learning faithfulness so the weak christians that's that's where they're at and we need to understand that and realize that but in the second part of that verse verse number one he says we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves bear the infirmities we had, to, we had to help them. We had to take them under our wing. And listen, when they're, when they're upset and when they're disappointed and when things haven't gone that way, that we would feel for them and sympathize with them and say, listen, I'm sorry, but listen, God teaches us in His Word and try and mentor and teach and edify those who, who have not learned the gospel and have not learned the Word of God like we've had opportunity. So we ought to bear their infirmity. The, the Bible says the same thing in Galatians 6, 1. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Listen, we have to bear uh, with the weaker brother. And, uh, and listen, that's all part of church growth. Uh, we want to see people... We, we, church growth is seeing people, just like in the Great Commission that Jesus Christ gave us, seeing people saved, baptized, and added unto the church. That's our church mission. That's our church goal. If we're going to do that, then, hey, we are going to see those that are uh, weaker Christians. They're not going to know the basics of Christianity. They may not know where to find the Gospel of John. They may not know faithfulness. They might not have a very strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to bear their infirmities and take them and say, hey, we want to help you. We, wanna, we want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want to educate you we want to edify you and minister to those people that their faith is not so strong so he says in verse number one bear with the weaker brother we see the second thing in verse number two he says this he says let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification 
You could couple that with verse number one if you want to, but I, I felt like it was a little bit different enough that we could say bear with uh, the first verse, we have bear with your weaker brother. The second verse, we have bear with your neighbor. And uh, as I looked at that, I thought the idea of a neighbor oftentimes in the Bible is not somebody who necessarily lives next door, but somebody that is close to us. That's why Jesus gave the entire illustration of the Good Samaritan. And how the uh, Levite passed on the other side when he saw the man that was beaten and laying in the ditch. And the, uh, the priest passed on the other side when he uh, saw the man on the, on the ditch. But the, but the good Samaritan passed by and when he saw him, he went to him and he bound up his wounds and he took, and, and took him to an inn and he paid for him to stay there. And so uh, his idea was to illustrate what is a neighbor. Well, somebody that you're close to. And so I, I, I think this would be sufficient to say, bear with the neighbor. What do you mean by that? I mean, in edifying, look at what it says. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. He did talk about in chapter 12 uh, about dealing with the lost people and, and living as uh, peaceably with all men as much as possible. And so uh, we ought to edify other people. Edification means this, a building up in a moral and religious sense, instruction, improvement, and progress of the mind in knowledge, in morals, or in faith and holiness. When you edify people, you're helping them. And, uh, and, and listen, uh, we can edify other people and try and edify even our neighbor and build them up. Hey, listen, when you help people, they're generally more receptive to what you have to say. When you're kind to people, they're generally more open to listening to you when you talk. And so uh, being edifying even to our neighbor. And the reason I think this severely applies to the lost or this severely applies to our neighbor in the strictest sense uh, of, of anybody we would run into is because of verse number three. Look what he says in verse number three. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. The example of the Savior he gives there in, in verse number three, Jesus is our greatest example. Let me ask you a question that you know the answer to. Did Jesus Christ die for moral people? And in one sense, the answer is yes. But was that the purpose he came? No, he came to save the Bibles. He said to seek and to save that which is lost. That was the purpose for which Jesus came. Jesus didn't come for the, for the people that are, are saved, and you can't be saved without Jesus, so it's a conundrum. It doesn't even really work. But, but Jesus came for those who hated him. Jesus came for those who were not seeking him. Jesus loved those who did not love him, did not care about him, and would have crucified him if they would have had an opportunity. That is the love of Christ. And he showed that to the lost and dying world. And so what I'm saying is, when we run into verse number two, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Not for our good, but rather for the neighbor's good, for the, their edification, for even Christ pleased not himself. In other words, Christ said, hey, you know what? I love those lost sinners, and I love those who do not love me more than I love myself, more than I care about myself, so much that I... I will take their sins and go to the cross of Calvary and offer them salvation. 
So I think it's saying in verse number 2, to bear with your neighbor. We ought to bear with the weak, those that are, uh, that are saved, but maybe haven't learned and do not know as much. Uh, they're not, uh, they're not uh, as, as educated in the Bible. And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. They just simply don't know. Uh, the, those who are not as grown in their faith and established and those who have not, uh, ha- don't have the faithfulness that others have. We see the example of our Savior in verse 3. We see the education of Scripture in verse number 4. Look with me there. He says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. That verse 3, the second part of that, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me, comes from Psalm 69.9. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. And Paul is quoting Scripture there. And then he goes on and he says uh, that, that uh, for whatever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. And listen, the Word of God is so profitable. Well, that's what the Bible says is profitable for us for, uh, to, to make the man of God complete. And, and it helps us to grow and it educates us. That's why we encourage you, uh, we strive to encourage you, read your Bible through every year. Uh, try and get something from the Word of God. And if you don't make it through in a year, hey, shoot for two years. Uh, but, but work on it. Go keep, continue, continue, continue reading. Why? Because you familiarize yourself with the Scripture. And sometimes uh, you'll be reading along and, and, uh, and you'll say, well, that's something interesting. That's something I've never seen before. And so I encourage you, read through your Bible because the Bible educates us and we get so much information out of it. And even that Psalm 69.9, it, it's, a, it's a prophetic psalm talking about Jesus Christ, that He would take the reproaches. What's that reproach? It's the, it's the disgrace. It's the shame of the sinner that Jesus Christ would take that shame upon Himself. You know what that is? That's love. That's bearing with His neighbor the lost people. And we ought to be uh, bearing with not just the weak Christian, but we ought to be bearing with our neighbor as well. I want to go on to one more. We see not only should we bear with our weaker brother, not only should we bear with our neighbor, but also look with me in verses 6 and 7. I love this portion, and this is so pertinent and so uh, important to us verses 5 6 and 7 verse 5 the bible says now the god of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to christ jesus that ye may with one mind and with one mouth glorify god even the father our lord jesus christ wherefore receive ye one another as christ also received us to the glory of God. And I have down there, not only should we bear with our weaker brother, we should also bear with our neighbor, but I have there, we should bear with each other in unity. It is so stressed in those verses. 
that we would work together in unity. It's so important. Unity is an important factor. I would remind you that the church there in, in Rome was a church of Jews and a church of Gentiles, and there was very distinct cultural clashes that would take place. I mean, they were uh, very culturally different, and they had very different ideals, and so they would, uh, they would really struggle with that. And Paul emphasizes, hey, it's so important to work together in unity. He says there in verse number five, now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. That would be like-minded in our work or our ministry. And the things that we do in the ministry we would do, we would do with the same like-mindedness to work towards, as he says here at the end of that verse, according to Christ Jesus. He says in the beginning of that verse, Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded. You know, it takes patience to work together with other people. Uh, it takes a lot of patience. You know, people make mistakes. I know you don't. But, but others do. And so when they make mistakes, be patient with them. When we make mistakes, hey, be patient with yourselves. And, and other people uh, can be patient with us. And that's not to excuse our, our, our mistakes and, and just allow us to be uh, lazy and never grow or never get better or never uh, grow in our faith, but that we should be striving to grow and striving to get better, but being patient with other people. Listen, sometimes uh, it's difficult being patient. When, when you think, well, this person should know that already. Well, maybe they don't. Maybe they didn't learn that yet. Maybe they're still growing in their faith. Um, sometimes, I, I'll, we'll go to child rearing for a moment. When you're raising children as parents, and they're little children, and, and your little children, when they make a mistake, and you're like, oh, are they ever going to learn to not do that? And it drives you crazy. And you've got to have an extra dose of patience. Listen, sometimes when, when, we, when, you, when you're helping new Christians, young Christians, you're thinking to yourself, man, are they ever going to learn? And, and you'll get frustrated with them. But he's saying, hey, have patience with them. They're going to grow. You've been there. You were, you were there at one point, and you grew in your life. And so he's saying, have patience. Uh, and, and who's the source of that patience? He says there in verse 9, Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded. You know, patience is a, is a fruit of the Spirit. It's called long-suffering. Now the fruit of the Spirit uh, are these, and it gives us a list, Galatians 5.22, and one of those is long-suffering. That means to suffer for a long time. One of the signs in, that I learned that I, I really liked uh, in Peru was patience. It's not that I like the sign, but when they would, this is the sign for patience. You take your thumb, at least in Peru, I don't know about America. You take your thumb and you go like this, and that's called patience. Is that in English too? Does anybody know in English sign language? Then nobody knows, okay. But, I don't know if it is in English, but it is in, in Peru. You take your thumb and go like that. And one of the things I learned when I was learning a little bit of the sign language in Peru is when, when they wanted to dramatize something, like if they wanted to say a lot of patience, they would go like this. That meant you needed a lot of patience. Listen, long suffering is just that. I mean, it's suffering a long time 
as you try and teach and as you work with people that are growing and trying to learn the Word of God. And, and yes, you may get frustrated. Yes, you'll think to yourself, why don't they know this? Yes, they should know this. But it's patience that comes from God. And you say, God, and I, I know you're not supposed to pray for patience because when you do, you, you get trials and tribulations. Sometimes you've got to ask God to help you be patient with working with people. Because it takes people time to grow. And, and sometimes even things that you tell people and you've told them and you say, well, I know they know that. They really haven't learned it. And it takes people time to grow. But we ought to be like-minded in ministry that, hey, we're going to work together. We come together and our goal and our objective is to honor and glorify God and serve the Lord in what we do. You might have different hobbies. You might have different likes. You might have different dislikes. Uh, you might, uh, I had a guy tell me this morning, he said, well, I got a pink tie. And I was like, amen, good for you. I don't like to wear pink. But you know what? If you like to wear pink, hey. If you like to be a vegetarian, hey. I'm going to eat my meat. Praise the Lord. And that's what he's saying. That, that we, we can be different, but still serve the same Lord. Because it's a unified spirit that's working for the honor and glory of God. Not only unity or like-minded in our work, but look with me in verse number 6. He says this, like-minded, I love this in verse number 6, that ye may be with one mind, I like this, and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning when we were in um, our 11 o'clock service, I believe it was, and we sang two verses of one song, and, and the piano dropped out on the third, and, and man, I could hear the voices. And I thought, man, it's so nice to hear people singing together and praising the Lord. What a blessing it is. One voice that we all would, would, would have uh, unity. I have unity in work that as we would work and have patience and work with people. But then the second thing is like-minded in our worship. We come together and the point of gathering together is to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great purpose that we have to do that. What a great opportunity. I don't know about you, but when I come to church, man, I see your smiling faces. I'm encouraged. I'm blessed. I say, man, I'm not alone in this fight to glorify God. I'm not the only one. And you guys come and you see other people and you say, man, we're not alone in, in, this, in this life of worshiping and glorifying God, but we're worshiping and praising the Lord together. One of the things I, I, I really enjoyed when I was on deputation traveling was Man, I would go to church after church after church, and they're all different. But the places I went, man, I was just like, man, there's believers here. There's a small congregation here. There's a large congregation here. There's a medium congregation there. There's a, and there's churches everywhere. And, and as I would travel and go to those churches, and they're meeting every single Sunday, and they're praising the Lord, and they're doing the work of the Lord. And I thought, man, what a great reunion when we all get to, to heaven. And man, we're glorifying the Lord there. Not only that, we'll all be able to sing great. Wow, what a day. I mean, could, just could you imagine 
I mean, you get together a, a great amount of people and they sing and they're all in tune and they're all in harmony and they got great, uh, great uh, ability to be able to unite in song. And man, it just sounds marvelous. But, but you put all that together in heaven, what a great day that will be. Or it will be perfect. And I'm glad that we have like-mindedness in worship. A group of people singing together, worshiping the Lord. What a blessing. He says there in verse number 7, he says, Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Listen, we ought to be receptive one of another. Say, you know what? God loved every one of us. That's what binds us together. That's what causes us to say, hey, listen, we ought to love one another and, and, and serve uh, the Lord Jesus Christ together uh, because God loved us and He cared about us. And so what a great opportunity we have in receiving one another. If you accept someone, uh, they accept you. It's a great work can be accomplished. You know, two guys striving together and working and trying to accomplish the same goals can get a lot done. But if you take two people and they're pitted against each other and, and, and all they're doing is, is firing shots back and forth, absolutely nothing will be accomplished. There's, there's no room for strife and pride and arrogance in the work of the Lord. There's only room for, uh, for working together in unity and accepting one another. And, and yes, we're all a little bit different. And again, we are not talking about accepting of sin. Uh, the Apostle Paul dealt with that extensively in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, that uh, they were receiving sinful people and they were proud of it and boasting of it. And, and he's saying, no, that's, that doesn't fly. We're not accepting of sin, but we're accepting of different people that, that maybe have different opinions of things or different ideas or different likes of things. Or maybe they're a vegetarian and, and you eat meat. Or maybe they like fishing and you like golfing or whatever the differences may be that we can set aside those things and that we could strive together serving the Lord, accepting one another and our different abilities. And that's what he is talking about in, in these verses. And these verses really are a summary of what he was dealing with in Romans chapter number 14. And so we need to bear with each other in unity. We need to bear with our weaker brother, have patience with them. We need to bear with our neighbor and trying to win them and trying to edify and encourage them to trust the Lord as their only Savior and be a good witness and a good testimony to them. And then we need to bear with each other in unity. So we have those three things that we can see very clearly in those seven verses. And I hope and pray that that's Paul's message to the mature. I hope and pray that that's a blessing, a help to you, and that, uh, that we would be patient, that we would bear with one another in unity and bear with one another that is maybe a weaker brother and try and nurse them and encourage them and help them and edify them in their life. That's our, our responsibility as Christians. That's what the strong, mature Christians should be doing in the ministry. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, we thank You for Your goodness to us. God, certainly, it is a message that's so important. 
And God, so many Christians struggle with bearing with one another, having unity, and accepting each other. God, I pray that we would have such a sweet spirit like we've had. God, we'd continue forward bearing weaker brethren, bearing our neighbors that maybe aren't even saved and being a good testimony to them and God bearing together in unity for the cause of exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every heart, help us, and strengthen us. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. You can pray. You can pray right there in your seat. Sometimes it's hard to be patient with other people. Sometimes it's hard to be edifying to somebody that's lost. Sometimes it's hard to bear together in unity. I think we do well at that at our church. I think we have a sweet spirit. We need to maintain that. to a close. Again, I appreciate your faithfulness.